Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Talking about the situation as far as Mr. Trudeau and his taxes are concerned and his energy policies are concerned. And I played a clip for the incoming Premier of Alberta of uh, Justin Trudeau at COP26 in Glasgow bragging about what his government has done. Well, one of the things they're doing is they're increasing, of course, the carbon tax, and they have a plan to continue to increase it regardless of the costs that you're living with uh, as, as inflation continues to climb, regardless of what the interest rates are doing to you, regardless of what housing may challenge people with. And we do know we do know from Sylvain Charlebois, the professor at Dalhousie University and the director of the Agri-Foods lab there, that 23.6% of Canadians told the lab in a survey buying less food because of the cost of food. And 7.1%, think about this now, 7.1% of Canadians in the survey have said they've skipped meals because of the cost of food. Meanwhile, the professor also told us that the federal government has not once, not once, factored in the cost of the carbon tax and the carbon tax increases on the cost of food. I guess if you don't have to worry about it, you don't have to worry about it. Dan McTagg is with us, former Liberal Member of Parliament, 18 uh, years. I think he'd probably prefer that I just say former Member of Parliament. <laughs> and President of Canadians for Affordable Energy. That's a pipe dream these days, isn't it? What's going on with the... Uh, before I ask you about OPEC and what they're doing, and one of the things they're doing, I guess, you can tell us, is this is uh, Saudi Arabia kicking Joe Biden in the teeth. But if, if, if I can just ask you first, before you get into that... What are people paying for gasoline today on Thanksgiving Day in major population centers in this country? A lot. Uh, a lot more than I think they would have thought just a week and a half ago. But if, let's start with uh, the Maritimes. Uh, they're in the 170 range, uh, 175, 180 in Newfoundland. Uh, Montreal uh, in the $1.78 to $1.82 range. Ontario, 167 to 165 to 169 depending on where you are. Uh, Manitoba, uh, Saskatchewan, uh, and even Alberta are now firmly in the dollar seventy-five to dollar eighty-five range, and of course, uh, Interior BC a lot closer to a dollar eighty-five to dollar ninety, while uh, the Lower Mainland and uh, Vancouver finally got a break, dropping from two forty-one a liter yesterday to two twenty-eight a liter. So, uh, maybe some good news there. But never thought I'd be celebrating the day when. Uh, near or uh, at $2 a litre or above uh, would be something to uh, to cheer about. 228 And 241 yesterday? That's right. Uh, Pacific Northwest refineries uh, running into trouble there, and we got a shipment of gasoline ca- that came in from, if you can believe it or not, uh, into Washington State from Italy, so uh, into Ferndale, Washington. But uh, if that's the bad news, uh, you haven't seen anything yet, uh, Roy. Diesel prices uh, have hit, and they've hit very hard. A lot of us don't pay attention to them, but pretty much everywhere across the country at uh, or well above $2 a litre, moving to $2.50 a litre, and that is your, really your your pace setter for uh, natural gas, propane, and, of course, uh, heating oil, which will be extraordinarily expensive and will hurt a lot of people, including a lot of 
agencies, the United Way and others that uh, you know really have to try to help people in, in difficult times. Uh, thousand bucks last year, or eight hundred bucks last year to heat your home. This year will be a lot closer. Uh, mark my words, to about uh, eighteen hundred dollars a year to yeah. two thousand. I have uh, correspondents uh, who contact me from British Columbia. Of course, we air uh, a program airs on CKNW in Vancouver yep. and uh, AM 1150 in uh, Kelowna and uh, uh, 610 uh, Radio NL in Kamloops. And I hear from people on, on a regular basis in BC. Hey, you know what we're paying today, Roy? I, I, a week and a half ago, it was like a buck forty-seven where I live. And this morning was a dollar sixty-seven. So we're 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 continuing to to go back up, as far as the price of gasoline is concerned. And when you talk about diesel, Dan, up to two fifty a liter, it, the trucks run on diesel, and the trucks deliver the food, which is already in a high inflationary cycle. So if the f- if the fuel price for diesel goes up, the surcharge to the uh, to the consumer is going to also go up, along with the carbon tax going up. It's a it's a nasty combination. It is. It's the you know proverbial uh, you know development of the perfect storm, and it's uh, we got a bit of a reprieve for a while. That's because a lot of uh, energy traders fell for the head fake. Uh, a lot of them, by the way, not physically involved with uh, trading, but in fact, paper trades, financials, got really panicky and worried about re- uh, about a recession, about global demand, and all these other things. Which is legitimate, but the reality is that. That really just held back what uh, is inevitably going to be, have to be the boil lance, and that's unfortunately Ooh. we have a supply problem. Ooh. That's pretty graphic. Would <laughs> <laughs> you say the lanced boil or the boiled lance? <laughs> what, well, thanks, what, <laughs> what did you say? Apologies in advance. What did you say? Oh my uh, God! Yes, stop that! Bad, oh my God! I can't get that visual out of my out of my mind now. <laughs> I never even said hello to, to you. How are you? <laughs> well, I'm fine, Roy. I just uh, tired and uh, like everything else, uh, very, very worried. Um, yes. Your colleague, my friend, uh, Céline Charlevoix, I think, uh, has set the stage correctly. Um, it's not energy; it's everything else, food, the things we take for granted. That's going to be out of control in a country that's blessed with an abundance of everything. We give Thanksgiving for that. I think we uh, yeah. we're not doing a good good job at uh, protecting. Well, you know, all we have to do is look at Europe which was essentially energy self-sufficient not so long ago. And now uh, Germany was making its deals with Russia. Thank you, Angela Merkel, who still seems to be on Russia's side. Um, and, and now Germany finds itself in the predicament it's in, the, the panic situation it's in. And, uh, and th- we were told by um, uh, Katja Heuer, you've been on the program with her, that the, her cost for energy in Germany... She has a home, I think, in, in Germany and in England. And her German energy costs have increased eightfold in one year. Yeah. Eightfold wow. in one year. I was reading this morning that the Italian government now has uh, restrictions on how warm you can have your home or your business. And, and other governments in, uh, in Europe are doing the same thing. And uh, Terry Bro was telling us that in Paris, police were actually walking down the streets of of the of the capital city, making sure that business front doors were closed, so they weren't letting energy out the door, and were having to replace it by keep by turning the thermostat up. I mean, this is getting to be, or it's gotten to be, an extremely serious reality. So, what really happened, and what's the price? What's the cost? Whatever happened to that? Because that's a lot of money that was left on the table, and it doesn't do much to create incentive 
for investors to put money into this country. If we can't get projects completed, if the regulatory process is so slow that it takes years to get through it, investors are not going to put money on the table. Is what I just said correct, Dan? And then piggyback to your answer, whatever it may be, why is OPEC doing what it's doing? Well, yes, it is correct. And, you know, 160, maybe $180 billion lost in uh, uh, in investments in Canada, which would have generated trillions, and that's the T, trillions of dollars of long-term projects uh, to satisfy and to supply the world uh, with products uh, and with uh, energy that uh, it desperately needs and is going to need for the, at least for the remainder of our generation on this planet. Uh, it's a, obviously an opportunity lost, but more importantly, uh, Canadians are paying for it, uh, not just in terms of governments finding other alternatives that are extremely expensive, inefficient, uh, but also in terms of higher carbon taxes. Uh, we have only seen the beginning of this. Now, I hear the opposition talking about a three-fold increase in the carbon tax. The clean fuel standard, which is the second carbon tax proclaimed by 2025, will actually make between the two of them a fourfold increase. But I digress. The other factor is that many countries have decided not to invest in Canada in energy, notwithstanding the fact we have the largest, one of the largest uh, provable reserves in the world. It's had a damaging effect on the value of the Canadian dollar. And while people say, well, all other currencies have, uh, have, have suffered, none with the kind of energy that we have should be in the same position. We can't compare ourselves with the you know, Lithuanian currency uh, uh, and say, well, because it was bad for them, it should be bad for us. Look, Canadians are now paying a 40% tax in terms of the weakness of the Canadian dollar, mostly because we no longer have the status as a petrodollar. That's a direct result of this government saying no uh, time and time again to LNG, yeah. natural gas, and it, the oil projects. And, and let's keep in mind, when we're talking about this, that the Europeans are actually returning to coal-fired plants. They're exploring for gas in the North Sea. It's not as though they've now they've stayed true to their renewables philosophy that they was led by Germany. Germany is actually one of the countries that is most invested in going back to conventional energy. Or, you know what I'm saying? You have no choice. I mean, if you don't do these things, people will freeze. People will starve. And Canada and Canadians have to make that decision as they sit together with family, wonder of the lot of this country, the potential of this country, with a leadership that says no to natural gas. Well, we'll come with hydrogen maybe in 20 or 30 or 40, 50 years. We can't have public policy based on pie in the sky, magic and make-believe, airy-fairy stuff. So, Roy, the world is getting real now, and it's time for Canada to step up the plate. It doesn't. So, So why is OPEC doing what it's doing? OPEC's doing it because it's saying we have our, our clients in Asia, we have clients in Europe. You and North America have more energy than we could possibly count. The two of you combined, Canada and the United States, could easily overwhelm the United Arab Emirates and the, uh, the two big, the kingpins, if you will, with spare capacity and Saudi Arabia. They're saying, look, you guys want a war on fossil fuels. You want to disinvest in this. We're going to help you. <laughs> We're not going to give you any more. We're going to cut back our own production because our clients want it. And unlike the woke in North America and uh, in Europe, if you don't want it, we're not going to sell it to you. Mm-hmm. But what's creating, of course, is scarcity, energy scarcity, and we're now paying for it. So your organization is called Canadians for Affordable Energy. How affordable are renewables? How dependable are renewables? And if they're not either, when will they be dependable? And when will they be affordable? 
I suppose when science can demonstrate that these things can uh, can do exactly what uh, you know uh, natural gas and oil can do, and they can't. There is no technology that uh, that allows them to provide the the heft, the uh, reliability, uh, the bulk, the dispatchability, uh, the the ability to call up this energy on a moment's notice to respond to a a, a crisis or an energy surge or an energy problem. Uh, the fact is, we have not developed that. And, you know, there's a lot of great ideas out there, but frankly, they've been tried and they've been proven to be incorrect and they've been proven to to, to fail woefully, Roy. And that's the result of that, that I think, uh, you know, it's, it's good to pursue those things. But not all wisdom is new wisdom. I mean, we had nuclear in Ontario. Uh, it's, you know, 50, 60 years ago, long before it's trendy. In fact, we shut down coal plants long before we could get credit for it uh, and uh, replace those with natural gas and other forms. But at the end of the day, look at the bill. Look at the cost of living and and wonder if it's really in our interest to be able to continue down this road of denying the obvious. They talk a big deal about people who are science deniers. I think they need to uh, get a a brush up on what the limits of uh, physics and science really are, as well as stop denying the fact that this is doing untold harm to the global population, the civilization's advancement. Where is the price of gasoline at the pump going right across the country? Where is it going? Where will we be at the end of the year? Do you have an idea? Probably back to closer to $2 a liter, so about a 30-cent increase. But diesel will go uh, triple that number. And so it's the fact that diesel prices are going so high that it's bringing gasoline and other products with it. Gasoline, of course, uh, made by refineries, same way diesel is. Refineries are going to try to reconfigure, try to repurpose themselves to take advantage of these high diesel prices, also to respond to an energy crisis, an energy crunch. Uh, But to do that, they're going to have to sacrifice gasoline production. So, you know, what we saw in June, Roy, uh, with record prices uh, across the rest of Canada outside of Vancouver, get ready, fasten your seatbelts. And, of course, let's not forget, April 1st, more increases in the carbon tax. The option, of course, that the government has is to reduce the carbon tax. And uh, perhaps they'll be pressured now by the new opposition leader and the incoming premier of the province of Alberta. I know Scott Moe, the premier of Saskatchewan, is going to pressure them. Perhaps they'll respond. Because some governments have internationally, have they not? They've lowered the carbon taxes. Well, they don't have. We're the only G7 nation with a carbon tax. We're the only, we're the only country that I know in the world that actually raised carbon taxes or raised taxes on fuel during the, uh, the, uh, the COVID uh, pandemic. So, no, it's going to take a defeat of uh, of the, uh, well, I mean, look, the NDP and the Liberals should stop the charade, become one party. And that way, we, you know, it's clearer for people to choose, uh, you know, center uh, far left and, of course, a new center party, I think, under Pierre Polyev. But that's political. I think at the end of the day, um, you know, these two parties, the NDP and the Liberals, are absolutely committed mm-hmm. to uh, pretending that their uh, woke green policies are not at the root of the inflationary spiral that is hurting Canadians, and until they're defeated and they're renewed with a, a, a brand new group of coterie of, uh, of members of parliament at some point down the road, they're going to continue uh, down this dangerous, very you know, desperate path of, uh, of ruining Canada and making Canada a place uh, where affordability okay. is no longer the case. As serious as everything that you've said is, you kind of lost half of me about 12 minutes ago. 
when you started talking about <laughs> Lansing <laughs> boils, you lost half of me. It's just it lost me. The Boyle families are oh, I don't know, but uh, yeah, the things that you inject into the program are unusual. <laughs> you make me envious, Mr. Green. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.